0: Hello and welcome to a Sustainable Wine webinar discussion which was held in late March 2022 on the use and role of data and technology in making vineyards and wineries more sustainable. Enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome to the Sustainable Wine Roundtable discussion about technology and data, vineyards, wineries and sustainability. Uh, in the usual fashion uh, on Zoom, lots of people are joining us uh, over the next couple of minutes so we'll just take a minute or two to have everyone join us before we start. This is being recorded and we will put it on our audio stream. So if you're not already subscribed to the Sustainable Wine podcast, uh, please do so. What have you been missing? Well, a lot. So go to your podcast app uh, and whatever it is and type in Sustainable Wine. You will find the Sustainable Wine podcast series going back uh, many years actually from when we first started out as a kind of a blog. Um, So there's lots of stuff there. Uh, and hopefully you can enjoy those at your leisure. And if you want to find this recording again quickly, you'll find it there within three or four days, and we'll send out a link to this recording as well afterwards. We're only going to distribute the audio um, uh, as we're not doing slides, we're just doing discussion. And I hope that we will have lots of questions. We had more than 70 registrants for this. So I'm assuming more than are uh, currently here are going to show up shortly. Uh, In the meantime, um, let me just talk a bit about uh, the report that leads us to be here today, but also about our ongoing kind of communication strategy. So imagine you're all here because you know about or you're members of the Sustainable Wine Roundtable, but just as a brief reminder, uh, we are a multi-stakeholder non-profit group set up to try and ambitiously transform the wine sector towards sustainability. We're not saying we're going to achieve that anytime soon. Uh, but uh, we do have a plan to try and make that happen through a global reference standard, the direction of which will be decided by the membership before you ask us if we're gonna launch an eco-label. That's what everyone keeps asking us and that decision has not yet been made. Um, And there's plenty of other things you can do with a global reference standard other than launch an eco-label. I don't think we can say that enough. Um, So I've said it again. Uh, And as part of the round table, members get various outputs, including guidance and input into the, the reference standard. And a lot of that will be through uh, webinars and discussions and podcasts, but also through the development of more practical guidance on difficult issues. And we've spent the last six months trying to work out the best way to herd a bunch of wine industry cats um, to, to create something of value for the industry. And I think we're, we're starting to come up with some answers now. Um, it reminds me of that um, slightly unfair thing that Winston Churchill said about the Americans, that they'll always do the right thing once they've exhausted all other possibilities. Um, now, not making any pejorative political judgments, I sort of feel like that's where we're headed in some ways with the Roundtable. We try lots of different stuff with members. We see what works. Um, and I think we're getting there now. Uh, we're getting there towards some, some good outputs in the coming months. And I hope you'll join us for an ongoing series of events. We're going to do them every month alongside the podcasts this is the first one then we're doing our conference and our AGM uh, the AGM the annual general meeting will be on the 21st of June online and then we'll do a conference timed to incorporate our uh, America's cousins um, during the afternoons of June 22nd and 23rd so I hope you can join us for that this discussion is the first of, in a monthly series And it's rooted in some original research, uh, which you are some of the first people to see. If you haven't had the report already, my colleague Tom will be sending it to you shortly. And we were approached a while ago by Imperial College London. They have the longest running master's programme in the world on environmental science and management, uh, particularly with a business focus. So they said, we've got a bunch of students who are really interested in wine and sustainability so we said well you've come to the right place Uh, and we asked them to give us some ideas for what they could do and thanks to input from from will drayton thank you will and many others about the focus for the research rather than give you a report that said here's some technology and how it can be used for sustainability um, we thought let's focus it a bit more and see what comes out of it and we'll ask them to interview a bunch of members do a literature review and try and come up with some useful recommendations that you could all use in your wine businesses or in the wine value chain to drive sustainability that's what they've done uh, and the report as i say if you haven't seen it will be sent out uh, i guess after this uh, session it, there's quite a lot in there and i'm not going to bore you by reading it all out or indeed much of it i'm going to pick a couple of highlights that we found that we thought were interesting that the report found then i'm going to ask our panel to reflect uh, on it how does What's in that report reflect their experience, I think is the first question for them. And then how far away do they see some of these technologies? But also what are some of the pitfalls? You know, technology is often seen as a silver bullet for everything, isn't it? If only we could get more crypto, everything would be great. Well, then you find out that crypto uses more energy than Paraguay um, and it's not such a good thing after all. There are lots of unintended consequences um, with technology and we have to be careful about what we use and when, and we have to be very careful about what we promise Uh, And we also have to be careful about what we measure, because by measuring or focusing on one thing, you can then change what else you're looking at, and that changes impacts. So we're also here to have an honest conversation about how you use technology in a smart way and don't allow the cart to be driven by the horse, which can often happen uh, when you're faced with lots of data. So lots to talk about. Um, Before I start, let's go around the room so you get a break from me talking uh, and let's have our panel just say who they are and what they do very briefly. I'll then do my bit uh, from the report. They'll add in some thoughts and then it's over to you guys. So if you want to be social, put your video on, I could ask you to ask questions or you can come in and let's make it more of a discussion. Um, But first of all, we'll hear from Reflections on the Speakers after we do a bit of an overview. But before that, some intros. So, Morgan, over to you first. Just say, um, tell us a bit about who you are and what you do briefly.
1: Thank you Toby, thank you for welcoming me today. I'm really happy to be here with you for this first discussion. My name is Morgan Le Breton. I'm marketing manager at BLB Vignoble in Montpellier, south of France. We are a family winery, both producer and merchants. Uh, we produce uh, on our estate uh, 55 hectares of vine out of 200 hectares in total. Um, we produce one million bottle a year. Uh, we are a team of 14 people. Uh, there are three people in the vineyard, two in the cellar, And uh, one that is concerned by everything that is green, but that is not a vine. So every tree is forest whatsoever. So uh, this is on the environmental side. We are committed to corporate social responsibility uh, for uh, quite a couple of years now. And I'm really happy to tell you that we are entering the first step of the verification process of B Corp and I hope that we will be B Corp certified by the end of the year.
0: <laughs> Great, thank you. Andres, Andres, why don't you go next and you'll have to tell us what's in that bottle behind you because we're all going to be wondering.
2: Thank you, Toby. Well, th- thank you. Thank you all. My name is Andres Valero. I'm the sustainability leader of Grupo Vinea. We are a, a group of wineries here in, in Argentina. We are recognized for being the largest producer of organic wine here in Argentina, but that's not enough for us. We are a sustainable company that certificate Fair Trade International. We certificate the sustainability protocol for Argentina. We have production mostly in Mendoza, but we also have very interesting projects there in in Patagonia. Well, this is Pacheco Pereda, one of our lines of of wines that we are are very glad of, of it. And also our main brand is uh, Argento that probably we, we sell to more than 50 countries. Uh, so we're very happy to, to be here discussing sustainability with all of you.
0: Thank you, Andres. Erika, next. Um,
3: my name is Erica Loving. I am Swedish, but I'm um, Chief Sustainability Officer for Vintage Wine Estates out of California. We have 14... Uh, 14- possibly 15 wineries would buy new ones all the time. I don't always (laughs) keep track Um, across the the coast and um, about 50 brands. So we're a slightly larger company. Um, And while our wineries have had their own certifications for sustainability, the reason that I came into the company was to um, start looking at sustainability reporting for the financial markets. We went public last year and uh, as Will knows at Treasury, the financial markets have started caring a lot about, um, about sustainability, but they want metrics. They don't want storytelling, they want metrics. Uh, so our big work right now is just setting up how, how to track metrics, how to make them as precise as possible, and uh, um, finding a good
0: way to report that. Great. Thanks, Erica. Will, last book, by no means least.
4: Thanks, Toby. Um, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me today. Uh, My name is Will Drayton. I'm based here in the west coast of uh, of the US, but work for Treasury Wine Estates, which is a a, a company with uh, holdings in several different uh, countries around the world, the US, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Italy, France. Um, uh, And over here I look after sustainability uh, among a number of things, including research winemaking, uh, technical viticulture, some chemistry functions and things like that. So Definitely, uh, like diving into the details of sustainability uh, uh, at the same time as, as, as making wine. Um, Treasury's got some, some, some big ambitions in, in this space of sustainability, and so we're really happy to be uh, a part of Sustainable Wine Roundtable. And we really see it as a place to bring together all the different conversations that are happening in all our different growing regions around the world uh into a, a central forum which uh, potentially before this point has been has been lacking uh, there's so much great experience from different areas uh also talking about it as a whole is difficult um, we have great certifications in california and australia and france but um uh difficult to bring those all together and talk talk about them in a kind of cohesive way so that's our real excitement about this area thanks toby
0: Right. Great. Thanks to all of you. So I'm going to give you just a brief overview of some of the things that are in the report, but there's nothing more boring than someone reading a list of things. So I'll try and uh, be as brief as I can. the, the students from Imperial College did what they called a SWOT analysis, um, which I thought was quite sweet. Um, and what they've come up with are a few areas which I think are pretty obvious. I'm going to run through them very quickly. It's good analysis, though. So one of the key themes is that obviously, while data-driven technologies um, can deliver sustainable outcomes, they have the potential, obviously, to deliver cost savings, otherwise you'd never make a case to deploy them. Um, and so there are lots of technologies you can get excited about. Uh, remote infrared imaging, um, uh, AI, all sorts of technologies out there. But of course, cost savings have to be balanced against what can often be high upfront investment costs and or continuing maintenance costs. What I would add to that point from my own experience, uh, I work a lot in agriculture and sustainability in non-wine areas is the acceleration of the democratization of technology for monitoring is really is really impressive. So technologies I saw deployed five or 10 years ago that only Nestle would pay for, you know, now their tier one supply chain has those technologies, particularly around satellite. You know, It's getting an awful lot cheaper. There's way more players in the space. It's a lot cheaper to turn a satellite and buy a bit of time than it used to be, which is great. Um, obviously, uh, trade-offs may exist. It's another, another one of the conclusions between the cost of technology and the preciseness of the data collected. So for example, basing decision-making solely on regional weather station data from an open source platform might give you a less precise structure um, than a sensor installed in the vineyard. Again, a fairly obvious point, multiple data points are what you want uh, because there's, there's obviously a benefit to collaborating with some of these wide open systems that are being deployed. Um, I know there's a number of them uh, around Europe, for example, trying to provide farmers with uh, medium-term weather forecasting. Increasingly important when it comes to getting the right data on incoming weather volatility, for example. The Barcelona Supercomputing Centre, who there is an interview with on the Sustainable Wine website, spoke to us a couple of years ago about the work they're doing with grape farmers in southern Europe to try and give them a heads up when some volatility may be heading their way. So that that data is as useful as a sensor in the vineyard, but at different times. So you've got to differentiate on what's useful over what timescale. Another common theme from their analysis: um, the tension between the increasing automation for precision viticulture and reducing labour costs, and facing resistance from employees and vineyard workers. Well, I mean, this this is a dance as old as time itself, isn't it? I mean, this you know, think back to the the Luddite movement in early industrial Britain. Um, you know, we see some of the same tensions uh, evident with the rollout of technology. It's all very well to move to automation. And precision agriculture but what happens to those good people who used to do those jobs Um, and that is something we may see um, blowback on in coming years particularly as the technology gets better and the people get more expensive Um, this is a a social tension across all of agriculture Um, particularly when you see the number of farmers as proportion of a working population versus output and that difference accelerating rapidly technology is obviously enabling that there there are going to be serious social factors in the rollout of technology, and and we shouldn't ignore that. So I think that's a good point that they brought in. Um, A learning curve is associated with most of these data-driven technologies. So they can be incredibly complex, um, and you need to do your capacity building internally and your preparation for this, because where you can have a very steep learning curve in one technology, there are some uh, which can be incredibly user-friendly very quickly. So you may be, Buffeted by all sorts of tensions around the use of data and technology for sustainability in viticulture and uh, in wineries, because some of it might be literally on demand, feed something in, get something out. Others involve some quite serious investment in understanding the systems and understanding the outputs. Then, of course, you've got to work out what do you do with the outputs, which is a separate skill set that needs to be built. So I think that's an important point. There are many others in the report, but I'm going to move on to a couple of points specifically from the vineyard side. So, um, the use, the recommendation, a, a finding of the report, which could be a recommendation, I suppose, is that the use of open source databases and employing a community-based resource sharing approach should be a high priority, uh, as they're easy wins for vineyards. Let's say you've got every every wine, every vineyard operator in a region employing the same open source database approach, sharing data. Obviously, you start to see some some wins there. In other areas of agriculture, there's increasing tension in some cases between farmers and those who'd like the farmer data over who owns the farmer data, who has the right to it, how it's monetized, and what data justice looks like for a smallholder uh, and what happens to their data. What permissions do they have to give for that data to be used? That is an, an ethical, operational, financial, and incentive based issue, and one that should not go ignored um, because. Uh, You could start out with a great idea, but if you start using data in ways that you haven't been given permission for, that could come back to bite you later. So that's important to think about. Uh, Another another couple of conclusions from the vineyard section. Uh, Digital weather sensors, application-based technologies, digital eye technologies are easy wins, um, and something you can get started on very quickly. Um, But, of course, there's a whole plethora of options out there, and you have to be careful about where you choose, because you want to unpack the menu of options, you could be overwhelmed very easily. So trying to make the right decisions about what you even look into to deploy is quite important. Um, Thirdly and lastly that I'll use under the vineyard section, AI tractors are seen as an amazing um, opportunity. I've been to exhibitions where you see uh, these incredible new tractors coming out, Monarch for example, Uh, monarch tractor we did a session with carlo mondavi last year about what does the digital vineyard look like Um, and there's some really really interesting ideas out there about you know you might get some off-grid charging for your ai electric tractor go to bed wake up in the morning and you've got a complete report telling you where interventions are required micro interventions on plants to stop disease spreading that sounds like an amazing idea how far away is it in your operations today i think we'd also just quite some distance um, we're not there yet by quite a long way. So um, tractors are shown in the research to be high impact but low feasibility at the moment given cost deployment options, therefore mid priority. Um, there's a lot of other things that can be done um, without necessarily going for the big picture tech option. Obviously, if you have the money, you can do it all, uh, but very few of us have the money to do everything. So moving into a couple of conclusions in the winery section, Um, The priority matrix in the report demonstrates that some of the easy wins include the instalment of renewable energy. That's a very obvious one, isn't it, really? Um, There's not many places in the world that won't give you some form of realistic payback from installed solar. I mean, in the UK, um, six or seven years. And and that's in the UK where sunlight is at a premium. Um, So it is possible. um, You just have to take a slightly longer view. Um, Other options, employing an in-house data analyst, um, looking at smart water and energy meters. These are all very obvious things I think that many of you will have come across. Staff retraining for data literacy, behavior change that save energy and water usage. I mean, we've all been to wineries where you see pipes going and lots of water around and we all probably thought, is that entirely necessary (laughs) to be using that amount of water there at that point? Now, maybe it is, but maybe it isn't. So what do we know about the literacy there and the cost savings? Um, water, as we know, has been, let's face it, too cheap for business for too long. Um, and We haven't really been able to value it properly as a result of that. So that applies to wineries as well, you, you, you've all seen it. Um, you Staff retraining for data literacy can be applied, perhaps in a collaborative sense. So this could be something that the SWR would, would convene at some point, something very, very practical. If you have a large, a large footprint in sourcing, is there an open source cookie cutter data training resource that could be created for smaller wineries where they could all just log in get their credits, you know, hopefully not take a box ticking approach, but learn how to save time and money in a way that's resource efficient for larger companies wishing to have an impact. These are the sorts of things we see companies doing in other areas and I'm sure in the wine sector too. Couple more points before I finish. Free carbon footprint calculators, energy audit and benchmarking are established as mid-priority in the report because they're high feasibility but sometimes low impact. They can be feasible options for members of the SWR, but they could be low impact, says the report, because implementing them does not guarantee changes will materialise given they only measure energy and carbon emissions. What are you doing about that? How far can you get them down? I suppose is the point. Um, And a final point they put in there saying carbon capture during fermentation and biogas recovery is seen as a low priority method. Uh, There was one winemaker I spoke to recently. He said, I'm not going to do carbon capture from fermentation. I'd rather spend the effort on capturing carbon in my soil because the numbers show me I can do far more from soil carbon capture than I can capture um, in fermentation, particularly when I don't even know what to do with the byproduct. So it's not seen as a huge priority in this report. So you can read the rest of it for yourselves. Um, It's it's a good read. Um, I'm sure you'll roll your eyes at certain points saying all these naive students don't understand the wine business. Um, But they did a pretty damn good job, actually, I have to say, um, considering the, um, you know, the fact that they're not wine industry experts with multiple years experience. So we think it adds some value. Now very curious to hear um, how much of it's resonated with actual members doing actual sustainability work. So let's ask the panel. Before we bring you all in, Morgan, um, when you read this, um, how much did you recognise your your own um, work at BLB in here? How much? How much of it is happening now? How much might want to be happening in the in the near future?
1: Well, you really talked about it about uh, data, who owns it, and how can we uh, use it efficiently, uh, especially in the vineyard when you it's. I always think of the human between the data and the, the practice. Uh, so you have to find a way to for the data to be measurable and understandable and practical so we can pilot our vineyard and manage our vineyard the right way. So we we actually um, turned to a solution uh, two years ago. It's called Defito. It allows us to evaluate the toxicity of uh, plant protection products. So the, the great thing behind this solution is that it gathers data from every research worldwide i i don't know how they did it but they managed to do it and what is very very interesting is that if a product somewhere in the world is evaluated as um, toxic for health or the environment then you will have a bad score on the on your product and on your treatment and this is quite interesting because we're able to have uh practical results and a solution that really tells us okay your product, the treatment program that you're using right now is terrible for the environment or terrible for human health and the people that are applying it. And we wouldn't be able to do this without this tool that has gathered all the data uh, worldwide. So this is a a tremendous work they've been doing uh, in uh, in Montpellier, south of France. Um, And also something that is very great for us is that, okay, so we have our score, but it's meaningless if we don't know how to interpret it. And if we, don't, if we cannot compare it to other people and to understand how can we lower or improve ourselves uh, regarding our scores. So this is something that is the future step. Uh, when you have the huge database, then how can you uh, gather a community to do something about all the data and all the measurements that you've done?
0: That's very interesting, Morgan. Could you just run the name of that past us again so we can capture that?
1: Yeah, it's Defito. I can uh, write it down in the in the chat.
0: Put it in the chat, and and who decides what's an acceptable input from their point of view? Because there, you know, there are lists of chemicals in agriculture compiled by NGOs, which people in agriculture wouldn't necessarily recognise as toxic. Um, yeah. So, you know, what's their what's their kind of source for, for saying what? So,
1: yeah, they use a uh, worldwide studies, scientific studies uh, only, and a lot of research. So this is something that is quite interesting also because they really only focus on the, the scientific results from the product and research they're they been on the product they they won't give you points if okay this is an organic product it's gonna have 10 more points than a, a regular or another product they really really focus on every uh, studies and research there's, there's been on the on the product I really encourage you to, to check on the website to learn more about the, their studies yeah
0: right, thank you that's very helpful uh, what else did you recognize from the report that sort of makes sense to you now well
1: The the idea behind the community is very interesting. Uh, We work a lot on the hybrid and resistant grape varieties. And again, when you try something new, uh, it's not just about doing it on your side and saying, okay, does it work for me? Uh, You have to know if it's going to work for someone else. And if it works for someone else, maybe it's going to work for you. So we we have this kind of, uh, well, our our vineyard manager calls it the the Facebook of uh, vine growers. (laughs) It's, uh, It's a community called Land Files where we have all these great observatories um, where you can post uh, your tests, your experiences, what are you going through right now, and uh, simple checkups with pictures and um, and results so you can share data and people can learn from you, you can learn from others. And this is, I think, the, the next step after a great database. It's about community to really uh, make all this data you have uh, practical and uh, meaningful for you.
0: Great. Thank you. Um, And what are the other solutions that you see out there that perhaps are hinted at in this report that you think are are helpful? I noticed in in your preparation note, you've you've given a few options there. Tell us about those.
1: Yeah. uh, Well, we we really uh, found ourselves with the the weather sensors. I I think every one of our the majority of vine growers already have weather sensors today because you're really able to uh, to pilot your irrigation and uh, the the water supplies, nitrogen supplies to uh, to the vineyard. We actually use a solution named uh, ITK. It, it's uh, it's also available in California, and uh, it's quite interesting because we are part of a lot of tests that they're they're running. So we master our water irrigation with uh, with them, and uh, and now we are. Going to be part of the test to develop the the nitrogen sensor to monitor nitrogen content in soil and plants. So this is a uh, the next step that is going to be uh, very exciting uh, because they really developed this um, this platform where you can understand and really pilot uh, your management with their data. And uh, the last thing that I I found and I uh, I really found ourselves in their their report. It's not revolutionary and sorry in France we are terrible at it. It's water reuse and uh, we we don't know how to reuse water but we're looking at it in the winery especially for the our bottling system to uh, to have a, a closed network where we're going to reuse the water to uh, to wash the washing our our bottling system um, uh, in the cellar so this is uh this is not crazy because i know everywhere else in the world it's done but in france we we don't we don't do it so we're just doing it now we're glad that we're going to do it because it's a uh, It's still something that is very interesting because, like you said, uh, I think uh, water, we we are all aware of uh, a water consumption, but we do not realize uh, how important it is and how big it is.
0: Thank you, Morgan. Um, You work with growers and we've talked in the past that it's a struggle for growers. You know, they haven't got the branded products. Maybe some of them are on low margins. Some of them do things just because that's the way mum or dad or both of them do it. How do you talk to them about all this kind of stuff? Because you've got to be very careful. It doesn't just all go over their heads and they're saying, yeah, great. How much per ton are you going to pay me this season or, or whatever? Uh, so how do you, how do we actually disseminate some of these learnings down to the grower community, for example?
1: Uh, you have to be very, very practical. And uh, when you talk about data, you have to make the data understandable. And they're going to be like, okay, this is a nice figure, but it, what's going to be the impact on my, uh, my vineyards and my vines? Uh, in long-term, short-term uh, situation. So there's a lot of tests that we do on our site and we sh- we involve them in what we do uh, on our site. And then we try to replicate it on theirs. Uh, when we talk about community uh, and resource sharing, this is the most important. We really have to involve them as much as possible to really show them and explain them the results that they're gonna gain. And I think it's all about, uh, okay, what is difficult now because we work with, uh, with nature and the life cycle that is a full year and you have to wait five years uh, to see that what you did really has an impact or not on the, the results. Um, but when you're in a community and you tell them you're not by, you're not by yourself and we're doing, trying this all together, uh, it's going to bring value to your soul and to your, uh, your grapes in the future. So that's what we try to, uh, to explain them.
0: Yeah, some great advice there. I mean, it's all about being practical, make the business case, what's in it for them um andres i saw you nodding along there at certain points um let's try not to agree too much because it's boring if we agree on everything but uh how does the report reflect your experience are there any areas which are absurdly naive that we should disregard are there any areas which we didn't focus on that we could have done what do you think
2: thank you Thank you, Toby. well i know i agree with a lot of things that that morgan and their team are, are doing I think mostly, what well, I think not naive, but I think in the very long term is how we're going to implement IE and these sensors which will collect all this data and we will have all this electric tractor working there. I see that as a future that will come eventually, but I don't see it in the nearby, at least here in Argentina, at least for us. So probably I think that's what we should focus here in Argentina when there are a lot of economic issues that work along with sustainability, and we we have to be very aware of that as inflation, lack of import, many of these technologies develop in Europe and the US. So for us to access to that technology and be the first to access to that technology, sometimes it's very expensive. Sometimes we have to make a, a very good point to allow the, the government to allow us to to make this technology come to the country and, and to pay that. Even if we have the money, sometimes you get in the custom area and in the port and you get all the technology there for a year or two. And I say like, I need it now. Uh, so having cheaper uh, sensors or having this kind of technology available will be very, very nice. And especially for organic producer, we know, especially me that we, as a, Working on certification, we had a lot of restriction to our uh, uh, our binder team, and each each year we kind of, well, now you cannot use this, now you cannot use this. So they say, well, which tools do I have? So there is, we we have to be in in order to grow sustainability here to start bringing options. And I think this this kind of report are very good to present. Like we're starting to see this option as UV light, as ultrasonic. To be like possible way to uh, to work with pests and with other diseases on on the vineyards that I see them possible because right now we are very limited at least as an organic producer uh, to what we implement and as Morgan said and Toby said I I'm very are aware that our main problem won't be like for us to incorporate the technology because we can test the technology. We work with the universities here in in Argentina and we work with this kind of networks so we are aware of the technology, but how are small producers here in Argentina are going to incorporate this technology? And that's a thing I I look with a lot of concern. As I was telling Will earlier, for example, most of small producers here eh, irrigate uh, just with the flow with surface water. So the the use of water is very bad, but for us to invest in a drip irrigation system, that is a technology that we all know that work, that is very efficient and we all know how to work, but it's not profitable for them to to incorporate because their margin are very low. So uh, how we are going to share our climate data and say like, should need to irrigate with this amount of water, we can share this information because, because we have the vineyard nearby and we are open to that. But when when we go to the point that say, this information is not useful if I don't have the enough tools to, to use it right. So there I, I see that we have a big barrier here, at least in the develop, in, in countries that are developing uh, our region, especially in rural areas. Uh, and, and it's really one of my major concerns when we talk about technology That says. Say, technology that we have already developed and will be very useful. We we are not seeing now being applied for, especially for small growers. Uh, And I think there is is, is a great point that we will need to work on. As a company, we try to educate, we try to make the best case of analysis so they can get the loan. But when the financial market is not available for loaning to a small producer, we have a very big, a, a bigger problem to solve than the, having the technology available.
0: That's a very good point, Andreas. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, in other areas of agriculture as well, we see this a lot. You know, the fear that we're going to see mid, very efficient mid sized and large producing land areas surrounded by increasingly impoverished smallholders, and the and the rich-poor gap is exemplified through the technology gap. Right, it just it can just amplify the you know the economic gap as opposed to close it, and that's where we have to be very careful. But of course. With deployment comes cost reduction, and you know things get an awful lot cheaper very quickly these days in terms of technology rollout. So, you know we can still be optimistic. I think um, a question I have for you: it may not be an appropriate one to try and answer, but I am curious, Andres. You're the you're a big organic producer. Organic gets a hard time from us sustainability people for being a bit you know being a bit dogmatic. Too many tractor passes, too much turning of the soil, oxidation, etc what solutions to those challenges do you see data and technology the kind of which are discussed in this report offering to to that challenge is there there, are there any
2: yeah no uh, as you say for for sure uh, being organic limit you to to use a lot of of physical work on the vineyards uh, and i think really improving that having a tractor that allows you to to make two different things pruning while you are uh the, the soil will be is very interesting and it's a technology that is starting to be available now and i think really in the, in, in the future being data driven to say like if i have to do an intervention just to focus on the precise uh, place on the Banja that we need to do an intervention with lead to a, a a big reduction of of fuel use generally and also i think it will allow us having better technology to allow to calculate base. I I think we have a lot of uh, carbon capture on the soil for our practice that we can prove as a case of study, but it's not there yet the amount of data that we need to generate to say like, we are doing this amount of uh, carbon sequestration in our soil due to our practice in all our binders. So uh, having this kind of technology available to be easy to measure uh, carbon sequestration on, on soil will be a, a, an example of a great kind of sensor that we can prove and would allow us to show our real footprint uh, to the whole community and say like, well, we're not very dogmatic for being organic. We believe in um, that kind of practice is good for the soil and we are willing to create more data available to, to compare uh, other kind of, of practices.
0: Yeah, and I guess not everything is a dangerous weed. You know, we've created the words weed to mean things that we don't find immediately useful um but there is different forms of species there in the vineyard. so i suppose technology may give you an option to assess where you are looking to to turn over the soil to to stop something that's really quite dangerous for a row or a vine and where you can actually just leave it alone is that, is that going to be true in the future
2: yeah well actually we are doing a, a, a lot of testing with different variety of cover soil, especially with flowers that allows us to create a big biodiversity and allow us to, to live with the wheat. We, we say that we don't want to eliminate wheat. We're actually working with this many universities here, with National University of Cuyo, with, with INTA, with a lot of pro, uh, projects uh, where we focus on, on that. They say like, we don't want to fight the wheat. We want to learn to live with the, with the different variety of, of wheat and having other kind of plant there uh, is very good. But as I told you, evaluating the impact of this kind of project take us a couple of years, sometimes two to five years to say like, we have really scientific evidence to prove that. And I think that data-driven technology can help us to have like a lower margin to say like, we prove it, we test this. Now we can uh, uh, incorporate it to our as a general practice to the rest of our vineyards and I think having this kind of sensors, having this kind of, of a study and, and having more information will allow us to, to be very fast on this test of which thing works best for, for organic vineyard or for a soil cover crop, for example.
0: So the last, the last wine exhibition I went to before COVID, um, Vin Expo in Paris, I met an organic champagne producer, he said to me, um, he says to me, what are these GHGs people keep telling me about? I can't see them. How do i know they are there i'm just going to do what i've always done in my organic champagne vineyard and I, I thought he was joking and then i realized he wasn't um but it made me realize the gap there is sometimes it's the same question i put to morgan really you know th- that's obviously quite a, an unusual thing for, to hear from somebody uh but uh, not unique i'm guessing from all your expressions so how do you where you are in the world down in argentina how, how do you communicate what and make the case for technology deployment now that's affordable what's your sort of top tip there that you've learned in the grower community in the smaller vineyards
2: well actually here is really tough because it depends on the time of the year if you are able to talk as you told earlier if we are discussing price you cannot discuss about technology so you have to be very aware to after the harvest after every you have paid for the grapes it's a good time to talk Uh, and we, we try just to share our, our experience to show them like we don't want to patronize you we share like we have used this test we work with this uh university we work with this institution we are open to to different uh, research group you can be open as well if you want to test uh, this for for example it happened for me or it's a nice experience i was talking to a producer that say like well i start to add this acid to this uh, wheat product that they use, that glyphosate. And they say, like, oh, I started using this acid, and then I get the best performance. I say, like, do you know if the best performance was because you put a low pH on your vineyard or just because you improved this? And he was like, no, I, I did it once. It was good, and I keep doing like that. And I said oh, that is very expensive because we know that at that level of pH, the... The 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 wheat product stopped working, but he was killing everything with the acid. So trying to make them have this scientific logic, it have to be like we try to invite the 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 researcher to talk, and we try to make them talk to producer instead of being us talking to producer, and also showing our experience. Say like I'm not want you to test on us. I can test on my on my vineyards and then show you my results to see if you are on board.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You've got to show people the results, haven't you? Make the case, as discussed earlier. Erica, let me turn to you. Um, again, same question. You know, did you recognise your operations, those around you, cutting edge vineyard sustainability practices in the report, or or what? What are your thoughts, Erica?
3: Yeah, I, I did recognise a lot of it. Um, I think the part that we can continue discussing is. Um, so, so there's a lot of cost savings to be had implementing some of these, um, these technologies, but sometimes it's not that easy to calculate the cost. and that, That's what we've realized at, at our wineries is, for example, one of the first technologies I started looking at um, around a pretty water strapped uh, vineyard was deep root irrigation. So it's not just drip irrigation, it actually goes down to the root zone um, of the vine and, that, and, and irrigates there. Sounds great. It reduces um, it reduces the water need by about fifty percent, according to the according to the um, um, salesperson. But I don't have a cost of water because we're on well water everywhere. So um, I don't know. I didn't even have a an actual water use for most of our wineries and vineyards. So you know, you start by by installing the flow meters, but then there's got to be some way to go from the water flow from a well to an actual cost and very often we just calculate the cost of uh whatever cleaning we need to do you know if if there's arsenic we need to remove arsenic if there's um uh you know needs to be any adjustments so we add in the chemicals that we need to do to use uh for that but there's a cost of water that's connected to electricity so actually the big change for us or, or it's a platform that we're setting up now for um for our future technology projects is getting a um, a platform where we can collect all the information around water so that we get a true cost of water, because, like I think it was you who said it earlier in this conversation. water is just too cheap. I mean, we' we're in California. We're in a region that is really strapped for water, but water is cheap. It's really cheap. <laughs> um, but part of the reason that it's cheap is that we're not, Getting the true calculation. So we found a, a. So so for me, software comes before hardware. Um, you know, getting the platforms to interpret the data for to make it easy for me to understand, for the winemaker to understand, for the vineyard managers to understand, um, communicate it in a format that suits these different different levels of the of the company. Um, that kind of comes before the the technology investments, um, because that's how I can give. That's how I can give our executive uh, level or our board a, a true return on investment calculation or at least one that is closer to, to reality. Um, because right now to be honest, most of the most of the really interesting water sa- saving technologies I've looked at and, and that root zone irrigation is one. Water reuse is a big one, um, not just the things like reusing water for, for cleaning several uh, several rounds or, or barrel, washer um, improvements, things like that. But even the systems that take our wastewater, clean it up and send it back to the beginning of the system so that we can actually use it in the winery, just like um, virgin water, if you want to call it that. Um, All those technologies, before I can start implementing them, um, I, I need to have the numbers on what we're using and what it's costing us. So we started working with a California company called Ag Monitor. And they convert the, um, the they, they look at when when are we pumping during the day um, in california, they, the the um, rates that we have for electricity will will vary throughout the day. So uh, depending on if I've been cleaning my barrels in the afternoon or in the morning, there's a different cost of water uh, for those times. So I can start breaking this down and and seeing what my my true cost of water is throughout the day, um, make efficiency improvements and so on that are based completely on data. So this is before we're starting to add technology, hardware um, improvements. And just starting like that, getting the data, getting people used to reading data, getting people used to thinking of uh, costs of timing, costs of, of different activities, um, if it's from the vineyard workers or winery workers to, to higher up in, in, in management, that really helps us um, when looking at the cool technologies, the, the things that are um, for the future. Otherwise, I, I think um, one of the things that I keep coming back to, and I'm I'm very much in my position because of a need to report numbers and make calculations and so on, Um I'm always a little bit wary of the risk of spending all this time doing, for example, the the carbon footprint calculations that we need to do and want to do, that too much of the focus and time, for me, the winemakers, everybody in operations, goes to calculating the numbers um, rather than making the improvements. So I'm both, on the one hand, I'm very much a, a proponent of the, you know, you can manage what you measure, so measuring, calculating, and then having a number that we can then compare against. Um, but I, I spent I spent a couple of years in equities. I also know how easy it is to manipulate numbers. If you really want to just show a assault, there's ways to show a assault. Um, I don't want us to lose focus on the true reason that we're doing this, uh, which for some people might be a return on investment, but for most people, um, the sustainability work also has to do with with um, having a wine industry that our children and grandchildren can can enjoy, wines that our children and grandchildren can drink. Um, so, yeah, uh, we have to balance the numbers the numbers and the technologies with with the actual gains.
0: Thank you, Erica. Some helpful caveats and I wouldn't say necessarily cautions there, but things to be thinking about as we look at technology deployment and so on, which is, you know, what we don't do is at least as important as what we do, possibly more so. Um, And your your point about numbers reminded me of that brilliant old Guinness advertisement that had a a line that came up that said 66.66% of statistics are made up on the spot uh which i thought was very funny very guinness adverts from back of the day well um i'm going to turn to you rather than asking erica further questions because time is against us but there will be questions for you i'm sure erica well i'm um, really interested to hear your thoughts on all this and then let's get into some q a with those of us who have joined us Will,
4: thanks toby yeah great points from everyone so far and there's a lot to really uh enjoy reading seeing these reflections back from this report um i think it's a mixture of, yep, I totally agree with that. And um, I think the authors will be surprised where we are in just a few years' time uh, about the pace of change that we're going to experience. Um, so just picking out, just writing some notes as, as I was listening to, to everyone talk, uh, one of the things I think is really critical is that um, is the steep learning curve of data. Um, I think it's actually pretty easy to roll out technology into your vineyards or your wineries and to start measuring things. Um, there's definitely a point where you have a sort of a technology debt, the more sensors and things you put out there, the harder it is to keep up with them and even just to change the batteries. So, um, you know, it does get progressively more difficult, the more connected and things we are, and there's going to be successive waves of improving that and understanding it better and, you know, narrowing down to sensors that we, that we need. Um, but I think the key thing is that if, we don't interpret that data and also make sure that the data that's collected kind of um, uh, serves like multiple people in any organization, then it's very hard to kind of maintain. So what do I mean by that? Um, uh, We collect a lot of information uh, around people's hours, for instance, the the, the time that they work in the field or the winery, because we've got to pay them, you know, so that's really important. Um, and then onto those platforms, we have in the past added on a collection of uh, water data or what crop protectant product was being sprayed or which tractor they were driving or which start list they did for, for um, before driving that piece of equipment. And, and you very quickly start you know loading on um, data collection responsibilities to people who don't really immediately see that value back to them. And that's not just at the field worker level or the vineyard manager level, that goes all the way up. So in order to get real um, uh, sort of integration of data and understanding of data, you've got to make sure that the data and the products that come from that are fed back to the people who are collecting it. You know, It's got to allow that vineyard manager to make better irrigation decisions and to manage their budget better. Because if it just goes up the train to a sort of a corporate reporting sort of thing, then it's tremendously burdensome. So you've got to make sure that as you're collecting this data and dealing with it, it, it serves multiple purposes. Otherwise, it's very difficult to maintain. And we're getting more and more data heavy. And therefore, the, the, the data debt of having to maintain all these things is getting bigger and bigger and potentially growing at a faster pace than we can actually absorb it. So we need to be, we need to be cautious about that. Um, I slightly disagree with the labor piece uh, about the labor and the, and the costs. Um, um, and AI. Um, so, I actually don't think that automation and things is driving, um, at least in California, in my experience, is driving particular competition with labor. It's sort of the other way around. Our lack of labor is really forcing us to reassess what we can do. We can't do some basic vineyard operations that we would love to do um, because we don't have the people. And so, um, I would caution them against that being a, a one way competition between technology and people. The real key there is to unlock the ability of your people to use the technology so they can be upskilled and so that you can train. So I I did like to see that come through in the report as well, that the importance of data literacy. But it's not just data literacy. It's it's how you use technologies and how you improve people's day to day jobs and lives, um, which is very possible. Um, You know, I think we've been. Uh, sitting with open positions, trying to hire people for the last, you know, five years that are still not been filled and we cannot get enough tractor drivers and this, that, and the other. But if we have, you know, half the number of tractor drivers that we need and they can drive three or four tractors at once because it's automated. Great. Well let's upskill those people and make sure that they have the tools they need. So I really like to see that come through. Um, one other thing I think that uh, is a really interesting piece and probably the harder bit is that it's, it's easy to get data in different uh, domains, you know, so you can get our weather data, we can get better at collecting it. And, and um, it's a really low hanging fruit, and everyone's probably doing it to some extent already. And we can also probably get, you know, information around what we spray on our vineyards, or, or um, where we're using our tractors or things like that as well. But the difficulty becomes in linking those things together so that they have a greater benefit from having both of those pieces, you know, for instance, um, making sure that your sprays are really integrated with your weather timing so that you maximize the use of your uh, products that you're putting out there or minimize the, the amount you have to put out there. And in many ways, we haven't kind of gone to that next level of data fluency and sophistication in tying together lots of different pieces. So I think that's a, a huge potential for the future as we start to get better at this, but you really need a solid base to start off with. Um, I guess the final thing I was going to say is around AI tractors I think I'm more enthusiastic than this report um, just because I know that there's five or six or seven about to hit the ground like this year and um, that's going to spread remarkably quickly um, and so uh, I think we'll see some really interesting sort of synergies from those being out there and it's, it's going to help the organics movement and it's going to help the labor issues and it's going to help water and all sorts of bits and pieces, um, because in many ways, by having uh, self-driving tractors or, or things that can kind of somewhat think for themselves, and I think we'll end up in a hybrid model, you know, um, maybe it'll be a person driving the tractor, but it'll be a, 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 an eye on the ground spraying the weeds just where the weeds are, or, um, uh, you know, so so that you start co- combining technologies to to get some improvements before you go the full the full way. You know, I, I think the idea that someone's sitting in an office in in Napa and pressing a button and the whole thing is going to get taken care of is is a very long way away. But the ability for to to kind of like scale um the people, the labor, the, the skills that we have with these kind of bolt-on functions from from AI tractors or whatever is is going to be there tomorrow. And I don't think the cost is going to be significantly different than the ones that exist already, especially once you start to labor in, layer in fuel costs and labour costs and things which are, which are running away from us right now. So anyway, those are just some, some quick observations on the report. I really liked it. Um, I think uh, we'll be surprised about how quickly things go. And I also think that there's some real um, lessons to be learned from data illiteracy and um, how, to, how to use it efficiently.
0: Thanks, Will. Um, given that you helped us focus this, I was going to ask you if we did another version of it or a next iteration, what, would, what, what, what should our key focus be? And I think your penultimate point around joining the dots is was, was perhaps one area that we might explore next. What else?
4: Um, I, what, I, what I would really like to see is, um, and I think it's something that, that we, we could benefit with from worldwide uh, and is somewhat a trend, is that um, a- agriculture extension and information about vineyard, you know, winery extension from either traditional land-grant universities or national universities, those kind of things, we've seen a slow kind of decline in the ability of those um, sort of um, uh, organizations to kind of cover the ground and to help educate, educate people in the industry. Uh, certainly we have in, in the U.S. And they're, I think they're an incredibly important Part of the equation, um, uh, especially when it comes to education of of growers, and 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 um, maybe not every um, every organisation has enough to have all the specialists they need to be able to interpret the data and do these sort of things. So to go to your earlier point around um, uh, data that is um, that is sort of free, open source, um, and can be shared and things like that, we really do need some help there. So I would love to see this group. Tackle that problem and and sort of unpick the key strategies to be able to to democratize those some data in a way that um, opens up the sustainability and data future for for more people. Um, I think those strategies and also how to uh, tell the story to encourage governments and 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 private industry to invest in those things um, would be really interesting. It would be a really interesting facet.
0: Thank you. And I could see from the the chat function there's some points around that. Um, but rather than read out your chat function text, let's see if anyone wants to come in and actually say, make, make a, a, a point to Will's last comment. Anyone have anything they want to add to that? Just uh, wave at me and um, turn off your mute and you could say something if you like. Anyone? We've got a few minutes left. I might extend by another five because I used up a lot of the Q&A time. Um, Alex, you had some conversation in the chat. Anything you'd like to add verbally, face-to-face, now you're here?
5: Uh, thanks, Toby. Um, it's been a really interesting session. Um, I look after a vineyard in um, McLaren Vale in Australia, but also work for a research uh, investment organisation called Wine Australia, where we are assisting the, the grape growers and winemakers move to a sustainability platform. So everything that uh, the group has been saying, the panel has been saying is very relevant. Um, one of the challenges we're seeing at the moment is the one that Erica and Morgana, Andres and Will mentioned around uh, getting producers to move to sustainable practices. And I'm just interested in comments around um, motivating people to do that um, and providing incentives to do it. I know it's not strictly the theme, but um, I was just interested in comments around that.
0: I'm, I was then muted. Yeah, who else would like to come in on that? Let's try and have a bit of discussion about it. Just kind of wave before you come in, I'll come to you, and we can try and make it make it a bit of a, a dialogue. Anybody want to respond on that point? I think that's really interesting.
5: I'm
1: um, sorry, Alex. Sorry, I'm could, not... could you could you re- repeat your question?
5: And uh, so I and just Show my guns. Um, how do you um, provide an incentive or make? Growers, let's say, want to move to more sustainable practices. Andreas uh, mentioned it's very difficult to get people to change. I'm very interested in how you um, change behaviour.
1: Um, well, a, in our wineries, uh, we, we, we involve every, uh, every player in our strategy So, and, and the way in our, we are going to approach our culture, cultural methods for the years to come. But there's something that we uh, created uh, uh, last year. It's uh, a profit sharing agreement based on corporate social responsibility uh, indicators. So our profit, the, the company's profit is divided uh, between uh, indicators that we all selected. So our our employees, they they say, okay, this year in order to, uh, to match the strategy, we plan on doing this, 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 and this. We plan to reach uh, this water consumption to... Uh, well, we have a lot of indicators on um, uh, covers, uh, covers on the between ranks in the vines, and uh, and so on, and the planting uh, meadows and um, and planting trees, and all of this. And we have a, this profit sharing uh, that we can uh, we can make it uh, like grow or or de- reduce according to uh, to the indicators we've reached. And uh, this is something to um, to put a dynamic in place uh it's not i think the best incentive because it it all comes to money in the end but uh people really understood the strategy with this uh this smaller key uh, key indicators so profit sharing
0: thank you uh will did you want to say something andres as well maybe or was it erica can't remember will
4: you go next i think we're all going to pile in at one point or other um uh so i just it's a great question and i think it happens at all sorts of scales uh that one thing i think that uh is important is that we start with data sharing or motivation that is um non-competitive so best practices and or things that are kind of community-based like maybe you know weather or powdery mildew uh index and things like that, that 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 can be shared in a nice platform that actually the entire region benefits from So especially where you've got projects or or things happening where sustainability on one side of the fence is going to impact the other side of the fence and vice versa. So if you do things as as an individual, it doesn't really change. But if you do it as a community, it really does. I think things like the Napa River restoration, where multiple landowners around the Napa River were able to take care of invasive pests by collaboration um, and restoring the river at the same time, was a great example of that. And so bringing, bringing folks together in a non-competitive way is, is good. <clears throat> Money comes into it always, and I'm, I'm sorry, Morgana, it's like, you know, eventually somehow there's a there's a motivation there. And I think it can happen at the biggest scale, for instance, Treasury Wine Estates is sort of, uh, we're publicly traded, so we, we have to respond to um, uh, uh, the stock markets and things like that and the rules of how we do things. And investors have been saying, we want you to change. Um, I, I think there's a role for retailers saying, Uh, we want you to change and I don't think wineries or vineyard uh, uh, grape growers should be should be worried about also having that conversation with other people they buy fruit from. If a retailer comes to us and says we can't really prioritize you on the shelf anymore because you don't have this sustainable label or you're you know we need you to back up your water use or or something else like that that's going to put pressure on us to make sure that our supply chain also fits like that. So I don't think there's any perfect answer but as people start demanding more uh, you'll expect to see that spread through spread through growers and spread through small wineries and spread through everything. Um, and the best place to start is in non-competitive areas. Thanks, Will, Erica, did you want to say something? I
0: think you indicated you might earlier.
3: Yeah, um, I, I just want to say that the way I, I see um, pushing this through all the way to to the smallholder farmers is a, is a dual. Or not smallholder farmers to um, throughout the system is is dual. It's, it depends on who you're working with. If it's a smallholder farmer, then then I really do think that paying a premium for a sustainable a sustainably grown grape um, is is the standard to to make that change. I um, I'm encouraging all our winemakers, all our teams, to keep bringing sustainability into the discussion. With anybody they buy from, anybody they sell to, so that it becomes part of the dialogue. And the more we share that this is something that we care about, both internally in our teams and uh, externally with our partners, um, I think parts of the change come from that. I, I feel like every time we have one of those dialogues, if it's if it's just like a tiny mention in a in a discussion with um, um, with a dry goods supplier or a vineyard management company, um, there's always every single time we bring it up there's always something they think of oh yeah we could do that and oh yeah we can look at this um and that moves the needle a little bit but i I think for the big changes it is a question about paying a premium for uh for sustainable farm grapes and we're not there yet and especially with the price changes for grapes in in napa sonoma i don't think that adding anything on top of that right now is (laughs) is feasible unless we double our shelf prices which is not about to happen so um, I, I just think it, it's a carrot, carrot, carrot stick and discussion type uh, situation. <laughs>